And uh, we are just so glad that you are here this morning with us. Uh, and uh, if you are a guest, we want to extend to you an especially warm welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. Before I jump into the sermon, got a handful of things to cover for you. First, a, a big announcement, a, a giant announcement, important announcement. Next Sunday, we will not be meeting here at Living Up Church. We won't have a service. Uh, we have a big conference. Uh, once a year called Celebration Midwest, uh, where we, we as a church, we all go down to uh, Lodge of Four Seasons. Uh, if you missed out on it this year, uh, that I'm bummed out that you're not going to be there, but uh, next year we'll get you signed up. Uh, it's an awesome time, so we're looking forward to that. But we, uh, we send so many people, we got like a hundred and like eight people going, uh, so which is awesome. Uh, so we we will not have a service next Sunday morning. So um, just to, just to let you know. Um, so that's our big announcement today. Uh, a couple of other things in your seats. You'll notice you have a communication card. This is so so important. If everybody would find this and grab it, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, this just helps us to communicate with you. Hence the really creative and brilliant name we came up with, communication card. Uh, so uh, really, this is to serve you, and uh, if you are a guest, we'd love to know how you heard uh, about Living Hope Church, um, and uh, uh, on the back, there's a place you can put prayer requests. Uh, if uh, uh, We'd love to pray for you each and every week. If you're interested uh, in learning more about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, if you're interested in uh, signing up for a serve team, uh, you can do that on the back as well. You can also sign up for our growth track. Um, if you've not done our growth track, uh, it is such a great uh, opportunity for you. Really, Growth Track, you can think of it as like an on-ramp into the church, uh, and it's like an on-ramp into deeper discipleship with Jesus. Um, and so it's three weeks long, uh, and uh, our next one's in August, and um, it also serves as membership, so if you're interested in membership, you can take go through the Growth Track. That's part of becoming a member. Uh, but what it really shines is it's a helpful way to just get more plugged into the church and grow deeper uh, in your relationship with Jesus. Hence, again, a very creative and brilliant name, Growth Track. Uh, you know, uh, so helps you to grow. So anyway, uh, everybody fill these out. Love it when you do. We have two boxes in the back that you can turn these into at the end of the service. Uh, they're right by the double doors on either side, um, and uh, you can fill those out. Uh, we also have in your seats giving envelopes. If you call Living Hope Church your home, uh, we do want to encourage you to give, uh, and uh, you can do that via the giving envelope. Uh, we also have our link to our website on there if you want to uh, hop on there and do that. When you give to Living Hope, it really goes towards accomplishing what we feel God has called us to do uh, as a church. Uh, we give uh, to international missions. We give to uh, church plants in the U.S. Uh, we give to local community needs. Uh, and then, uh, you know, giving obviously funds all the ministries we do here at Living Hope, uh, which it's a lot of stuff we got going on. It's very, very exciting. Um, but anyway, you can give there. Those can also go. Giving can also go in those boxes in the back. Uh, if you're giving in person. Uh, all right, so with all of that said, this morning, uh, we are going to be continuing our series in Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, and uh, we've been working through, this is a New Testament letter to the church, uh, and, uh, and, and really, Galatians has kind of a central focus, and we're, gonna, we're really going to get to that central focus today. We're going to see, really, what I would say today's message is very much about the beating heart of Galatians. And you see my title here, Righteous by Faith in 
Christ. This is very much uh, the central thesis, the central idea, the beating heart of the book of Galatians. And if you're like, I'm not quite sure what that means, uh, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to uh, be righteous by faith in Christ? Uh, We're going to really dive into that today. Uh, And my heart, every time we read the Bible, every time we study the Bible, every time I preach in the Bible, is really that the Word of God would come alive to you. Uh, That as we read, you would see the depths of God's love for you, um, and uh, you would really just, that God would empower, shift, and bless, and change your heart, uh, that you would know uh, his word, and know his love for you, and know his will for you, uh, and draw in closer uh, to God. So uh, with that said, this morning, I'm going to read here. Uh, It's going to come up on the screen behind me. We're going to read Galatians 2, uh, about 10, 11 verses here. Um, So uh, let's, let's, let's read that, and, uh, and then we'll pray together and jump in. Here's what it says. It says, but when Cephas, now Cephas is another name for Peter, who was the, the, the apostle of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus. Uh, so when you see Cephas, just that's Peter. Uh, but when Cephas came to Antioch, uh, it's a city, uh, I opposed him to his face. Paul's saying he opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. Gentiles are just anyone who's non-Jewish. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask this morning that you would just come and dwell among us. Holy Spirit, come, pour out, have your way. Father, shape our minds, shape our hearts, shape our lives. Uh, Pour out your wonderful grace on us today. Lord, I ask that we would be uh, just in awe today of the miraculous, powerful truth of the gospel, that we are justified not by our religious effort, we're not justified by uh, our spiritual deeds, 
but rather we are justified, we are made righteous, we are saved by faith in Christ alone. Father, let that truth go deep into our hearts today, draw near to us, ignite a burning fire in our hearts for you, Lord, that we would not just be people uh, who casually love you, Jesus, who casually call ourselves Christians, but we would be people who have a a burning, raging fire in our souls for your glory. God, that you would be genuinely the treasure of our lives. Father, I pray, give us that heart today, a burning desire for you, a desire to make you and to walk in you as the treasure of our lives, that we would uh, die with Christ uh, and and live in Christ, that, that you, Christ, would live in us, you would live through us, you would live with us, and the life we now live, we would live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for us. Father, bless us this morning, speak to us this morning, open eyes, open hearts, help us to understand your word today. In your name we pray, Jesus, amen. All right. Uh, so, uh, in the beginning of this passage, it's very interesting. You're, you're going to see, uh, really, we have a confrontation that happened. Uh, and it's an interesting con- confrontation. It's a surprising confrontation. The first time I read this, I remember being really surprised at what I was reading. So, you've got these two guys uh, who really are pivotal in the early church. You've got a guy named Paul the Apostle who wrote the book of Galatians. Uh, and then you've got a guy named Peter. Uh, there's two other guys, John and James. Uh, Peter, James, and John walked with Jesus while he was alive. They were like his inner circle. And, uh, and, and Paul uh, is, is, is this critical character in the New Testament uh, who, uh, who basically, um, you know, God completely changed his life and then he becomes a super influential leader in the church. Particularly, Paul, uh, his call is to reach non-Jewish people. Um, so a little bit of biblical history, just a little bit here. Uh, like the Old Testament is basically about God uh, and his people, Israel, the Jews, right? Judaism, uh, the Abrahamic faith uh, that came from, you know, God's relationship with Abraham. And, uh, and so Paul, Peter, James, John, Jesus, they were all Jewish guys, part of Judaism. Uh, and when Jesus came onto the scene, he said he was coming to save the whole world. He came to save anyone who put their faith uh, in Jesus. So previously the world was divided for a Jewish person between Jew and Gentile. And Jesus is coming to say, I'm going to save everybody and bring them into my church. Right? Uh, and, and so Paul's specific call was reaching non-Jewish people. In the Old Testament, Jewish law would have prevented you from having fellowship or relationship uh, with non-Jewish people who in this passage are called Gentiles, right? But Jesus has come and he tore the dividing wall down, right? He breaks racial barriers. He breaks oppressive barriers. He rips them down that we can be uh, all one people together, uh, you know, and, and, and that actually what's beautiful about the Bible is it says every tribe, every tongue, every nation. God doesn't want to make a homogenous people that are all exactly the same. He wants to make a homogenous people of people with very different backgrounds, different races, different cultures, different languages, all worshiping Christ together. Uh, and it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. No culture in our day has a monopoly uh, on, on being the best culture. We can all come to Jesus and actually every culture finds its best version when it's aimed at Christ when it's for Jesus. Um, and so at the beginning of this letter, we have this confrontation. He says here um, that, that Peter 
uh, has, has been, he's experienced what is a subtle distortion of the gospel. Uh, it's actually not such a subtle distortion of the gospel, but it, it's sneaking in slowly. You can even, if you read it kindly for Peter, you can tell he's conflicted because it says, it says he, he, he just drew back. He didn't stand up and say, how, how are we eating with Gentiles? He just says he subtly drew back. And because he's such an influential person, the passage says uh, that the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, right? So Peter, he has been influenced with, 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 some, with a distortion of the gospel that we should exclude Gentiles or we need to go back to the old way of doing things and we can't be in this room with, with these non-Jewish guys. And then the rest of uh, the Jews were following him. Uh, now remember, in Galatians 1, uh, Paul writes this. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. He says, but if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a, co- a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And the big idea, we preached on this a few weeks ago, the big idea here is that subtle distortions, this is really important for you to hear this. Right, we live in a culture where there's lots and lots of distortions of the gospel of Jesus. There's lots and lots of people who, who, who are distorting this message. And it's unfortunate because the Bible warns us that this is going to happen. Uh, and today you're going to find out how does this happen and how do I guard myself. And really, it's not going to be so much about what not to do. It's going to be mostly about what to do, right? Really the heart uh, of what Paul tells us is he's like, you don't need to run around worried that you're constantly drinking the wrong thing. He says you need to, run, you need to be ready and make sure you're drinking from the right thing, right? So that as you, as you receive the, the core, as you receive Christ, what happens is you recognize like false teaching. It becomes very easy. Um, it's actually not a complicated thing to recognize false teaching in the church. Uh, it's just that if you're not aware of these subtle distortions, they can sneak their way in. And this would be like, here's a, here's a subtle distortion that's really common in our day and age. You know, some people call it the prosperity gospel, um, but it's sort of this idea that, hey, if I follow Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have perfect health, and, and, when I, and if I need a, a promotion at my job, I'm going to get a promotion at my job because God wants me to have more money, and, and he says I have all things, and that means mostly physical things, and treasures, and possessions, and monies, and yachts, and that kind of stuff, uh, and, and private jets, and, uh, and so you'll see churches go with this and run with this. That is a false gospel. I just want you to know that's a false gospel, very common in our day and age. Jesus is like a homeless dude, right? And like you got people being like, he wants me to have a private jet. And it's like, come on, man, right? Subtle distortion turned into an entire ministry. Um, But ultimately, uh, the question, because you can actually be rich, you can be poor, uh, but the Bible's like, you should not be rich because of the gospel. Like, the gospel is not going to make you financially rich. Like, uh, you know, you're going to be spiritually rich, uh, but it actually, it actually speaks very negatively to leaders who see the gospel as a means of gain. Um, the Bible has very harsh words for people who do that. Um, so... Uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the idea here is that subtle distortions can creep in and people go to churches and they worship and, and they have no idea, like this gospel is very polluted. Uh, and a polluted gospel, a distorted gospel is a different gospel according to Peter, or according to Paul here in Galatians. He says, you know, he says, I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He even goes on, he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven, Paul's like, hey, if I start telling you a different gospel, don't believe me. He's like, if you, if an angel from heaven comes down and tells you a different gospel, don't believe him. You have the gospel. We've got to be aware of this. 
And what's the guard? Well, the guard, ultimately, there's, there's a handful of them, but we're going to talk more about them. But one of the first guards is, this is part of why being in the Bible is so important. And if you're a Christian here and, and, and you don't know how to start in the Bible, how to read in the Bible, like, listen, that's t- there's nothing wrong with that. Like, we can help you. That's part of why you have a church. We want to help you. Like, I personally, one of my highest desires for you all is, is to help you, equip you to read the Bible. And not just to read the Bible, but for the Bible to be like a treasure to you, something you delight in, something you deeply enjoy. Um, and, uh, and so if you're like, man, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. We have resources. I've got cards in my pocket that have like a little simple reading plan that if you, if it's been a long time since you, uh, since you've read, uh, the Bible, we can help you with that. Like come talk to me after the service. We actually have some of the cards out here on a table out there. So go grab some of them. And, and there's a little reading plan on the back and, um, give them to your friends, do it yourself. But like, it, it's so important that we're in the word because when we're in the word, one of Jesus's names is the word of God. And so when we're in the word, we're near the word of God and Jesus is revealed to us. And again, ultimately guarding our heart is not about constantly like being super vigilant about what we drink and what we eat. It's mostly about fixing our eyes upon Jesus and deeply knowing him and deeply understanding uh, his grace. There's this passage, this famous passage of the Bible that, you know, says people come up to Jesus and they say, we cast out demons in your name, we healed the sick, and we did all this crazy stuff for you. And Jesus looks at him and says, I never knew you. And really at the heart of this is, is Jesus emphasizing something really important. Like, do you know him? Do you love him? Is he your treasure? Like, do you spend your days with him? Uh, or do you just have a, mo- like a very subtly Christian-flavored life? Uh, and, and so ultimately, one of the great ways we can guard ourselves is we know Jesus so well that we're sensitive to these distortions. Um, so this is why, part of why we need to be in the word. It helps from subtle distortions creeping into our life. It's also a reason we need healthy discipleship right? We need other people who, who know Jesus, who are in the word. We need those people in our lives to guard us. They need to be able to call us out sometimes. You're actually seeing a great example of a hard thing in discipleship, but a good thing in discipleship, right? Peter's like, or Paul's like, I went up to, to Peter, and, and, I, and I said to him, to his face, right? He's like, he's like, uh, I said to Cephas before them all, you know, and he, he, he challenged what he was doing. And, he taught, and we know that Paul succeeded because this false teaching was rooted out of the church. We know that Paul succeeded because Galatians keeps going, and we have it today. Like, we know that, 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 that Paul succeeded uh, in discipling his brothers. So this is why, so being in the Word and being in discipleship is so helpful uh, for keeping out subtle distortions of the gospel. And I'll also say this, is that many of the subtle distortions uh, that you can encounter in our culture, they don't, they just, they sort of, they, they're there to like bring death to you or dim your faith, dim your fire. So if you're in here this morning and you're like, man, I just feel like, I, don't, I feel dead in my faith. Like my Christianity, Christianity to me is not that exciting. Reading the Bible is not that exciting. There is a distortion there. There's, that's not just, that's not true, right? Jesus, the life Jesus has for you is the best thing you could possibly encounter in this world. And that's not just like a pastor saying that. No, 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 it's true. It's true because the Bible says it's true. Uh, you know, I'm experiencing this in my own life. I see people experience this in their own life. So if you're in here and you're like, oh, you know, my, I really struggle to have joy in my faith. I really struggle to understand how you know, life with Jesus can be the treasure of my life. There's a subtle distortion that has worked its way uh, into your gospel. All right, so we've got to be aware that these subtle distortions can come. Um, I love this passage. This is from Jude 3 and 4. Uh, this is another letter in the, old, or in the New Testament. It says, Beloved, 
Although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We're called to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. I just love that phrase. It was once for all delivered. Like we have it. We have it in its fullness. We have the gospel in its fullness. Once for all delivered. And I would say the primary way you contend for it is you live in it. You live in Christ. Uh, And we're going to see that more as we go on this morning. But then uh, Jude 4 here says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So you can again see the subtle distortion is centered around the denial of Jesus, right? It, it, he, is, he is our all in all. He is center, central. So even if you try to move him to the side, or you try to add something to Jesus, like Jesus plus my works. You know, you're, you're, you're denying Jesus because he's all in all. He did it all, right? We cannot add to the work he has done. Uh, and uh, it's amazing how many subtle distortions of the gospel include adding things to the work of Jesus. Like, well, you know, now that you're, you have to live righteously, you know, or, 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 or you're missing it out. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, did he just say, like, righteousness is not a part of our salvation? Yes, the Bible teaches us that. Righteousness is not what gets you saved. It's not contributing to your salvation. Which leads to the question, well, is there even a role for righteousness for Christians? The answer to that question is yes, but we'll talk about that. How you understand that really matters. But we can't miss, we can't pervert the grace of God in Jesus Christ. I mean, this passage should open our eyes. Even Peter, right? That's what Paul's telling us in Galatians 2, that even Peter, one of the great leaders, this guy who walked with Jesus, Right? There's two good things here. One, uh, the, the, one that, we, that even a guy like Peter can be subtly deceived. But what's more beautiful about this is that a guy like Peter can be redeemed. Right? You know how often you feel like I've failed? I, I feel like I've, I've messed up. I feel like I've gone off the, you know, we all can sense that or, or experience that. And here we see, we see Peter, you know, he, he's, he's clearly going to get, he gets redeemed from this situation. He gets, you know, and it comes through some pain, you know, getting confronted by his friend uh, in front of some other people. Uh, it gets recorded in all of human history here uh, in the book of Galatians, right? Sometimes that happens in the process of God shaping us. Uh, it can feel a little bit like, oh, man. Uh, ouch, uh, and uh, be a little more public than we'd like. Um, but I think really the, the heart of the Christian is one where it's like, man, we just don't, we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of who we are. Uh, we're not ashamed of who we've been. We're not ashamed of, of the things God has rooted out of our lives. And so we talk about them. We, we walk in the light. Uh, we have no shame because Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our treasure and uh, our identity. He's all of these things, right? So uh, Paul goes on here, and he's, he's, continue, he's kind of deepening this, this case here. He's going to keep beating this drum that, that, that we're, we're seeing here. Uh, in Galatians 2, 15 and 16, this is, just, this is the heartbeat of Galatians right here. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. All right, so what he's saying here is he's basically saying, hey, you and me, Peter, we're Jews by birth. Like, we were born into the promise of God. We were born into the covenant. Uh, we were born as God's chosen people, is what he's saying. We're not like the Gentiles. We are different. But then, he, but then he goes, but, he says, yet we know 
that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith and Jesus Christ. He's saying, we know Jesus even the playing field. It's not about being God's chosen people. It's not about having the law. It's not about having the circumcision, which was, which was a promise that God, you know, it was a sign uh, of being God's people that he gave to the Israelites. Paul's saying it's not about that thing. We know that a person is not justified by all that stuff. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through what? Through faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, so we also, along with all these Gentiles, that's all the Gentiles who had come in, were part of the Christian church because they had believed in Jesus. And Paul's saying, so we also, Peter, have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. And in case it wasn't clear the first time, the heartbeat of Galatians, that we would be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. This word justified in the Greek, it also means counted righteous. I'm saying by works of the law, no one will be counted righteous. Your righteousness does not make you righteous. It can't. Sounds counterintuitive. Let me catch this this really important truth. This is the heartbeat of Galatians. This is a heartbeat of the New Testament, the heartbeat of the gospel. Your righteousness cannot make you righteous. Your works cannot make you righteous. How are you made righteous? You are righteous by faith in Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is uniquely Christian. No other world religion teaches this. Every other world religion teaches it's by works. There are distortions of the Christian message that add works in, right? It's, it's, oh, it's salvation by grace, but you also have to be holy and righteous, right? They throw it in there. That's not what the Bible says, right? We're looking at it. We're looking at right here what it says, and Paul is being as clear as he possibly can on this topic, right? He says it multiple times. We also, guys, we have believed in Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. No one will be counted righteous. By works of the law, no one will be saved. No one will earn heaven through their own righteousness. Your righteousness doesn't make you righteous. Christ does. Now, a couple of things to note here. First of all, it's like, you, you, the right feeling is to be like, breathe a sigh of relief, like, oh, okay. My, I'm righteous because of Jesus. But then after that, our brains get confounded. <laughs> Why do they get confounded? It's not because we're dumb. We're not as smart as we'd like to be, it's true. But we're confounded, not because we're dumb, but because and you know, you're, you're catching this, you're feeling this. We're confounded because the love, the mercy, the power, the grace of Jesus here is incomprehensibly good and sweet. Like, like, like the Bible is true. I just want you to know that. And we are Christians, and, and the number of Christians I meet who we miss this, you are not counted righteous by your righteousness. You're counted righteous by faith in Jesus. And yet I meet so many Christians who their sense of their closeness to God is not determined by faith in Jesus, but determined by how good they're doing right now. You didn't start with your own righteousness. Paul's going to say this a little later in Galatians. 
He's gonna say, did you believe by faith or did you believe by works of righteousness? He's like, you believe by faith, that's how you got in. He goes, are you so foolish? Having begun by faith, are you now being perfected by works of the law? No, is the answer. I mean, so many Christians who, they're like, well, the way in isn't righteousness, but the way to maintain is, is righteousness, right? You in this room, so many of you came in here today, you feel heavy, you feel burdened, you're thinking, I don't deserve to be here, like I have not been reading my Bible. He said, you gotta read your Bible if you're a Christian, and I haven't been doing a good job, right? That is burden, that is weight. You're trying to rebuild something that's been torn down. Did you catch that in the passage? Right? We try to rebuild the law that's been torn down. Paul says all that ends up happening when you do that is you reveal yourself to be a sinner because you rebuild a law that says you can't do it, <laughs> that you immediately fail. You're not being sustained by your works. Of right. I just want you to know this. Like, you're being sustained. You're being made righteous. You're justified. You're saved. You're given life through faith in Christ. It starts with faith. We run with faith. You know? And it's faith in grace. Right? We receive the grace of Christ as we put our faith in him and we believe. I mean, this is a radical thought. This is, we're right on the edge of it. And I, and I say this because even for me, like I've been a Christian, you know, 16, 17 years now, and I'm still in awe of this. I still have to be reminded of this. I can still like feel like my life ebbs and flows based on how I'm doing. And I'm not, like the Bible's like, no, you are firmly rooted in Christ. His love sustains you. All right, we're gonna see that as we, we keep going here. Right, Paul nails this. He says, we are not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. Peter knew this, but the religious pressure around him, there was religious pressure around him. The culture around him walked by righteousness, by works of the law. Right, our culture, this is, a very, this is a very powerful thing for us. This can be a distracting thing for us in our culture. You will meet many Christians who their current, the current way they feel about how they're doing with God uh, is their, their righteousness. If they're, if they're doing all the stuff they need to be doing, they're like, well, God loves me. I'm doing good. That's not what the Bible says. Right? The Bible says you're justified, you're made righteous by faith in Christ. It's such a critical point for us to walk in. It's a way for us to guard us. That's, you want to know how to guard your theology? Believe this, recognize this, that we are justified by faith in Christ. If you want to guard your walk and guard your theology and guard your faith, and, and it also empowers your faith, because think about that. Think about how it's radical, guys, it is radical. Think about how absurd this is. The grace of God is so incomprehensible. It's like absurd. It's like, oh, it's just, it is. It's like, I, my brain can't comprehend that kind of love. That when I sin, that today when you come in here and, and you're feeling down or you're feeling beat up or you're feeling like, man, I'm not good enough. Jesus is like, no, I look at you and I see a son. I look at you and I see a daughter perfectly redeemed. You know what that does? Suddenly we're like, I mean, it makes us want to weep. Like, is it true? And Jesus says, yes. He's saying, yes, this is true. And suddenly, like, like it, it, when it depends on you, repentance is hard, right? Because we feel so guilty and we feel so shameful and we feel like we have no power to get away from sin that grabs us. But when righteousness depends on faith in Jesus, repentance is easy, right? It, it, how, does, how, do, how does repentance work if righteousness depends on Jesus? It's not that our sins don't matter anymore, it's that they've been defeated already. Right? Catch that. It's not that they don't matter. It's that they've been defeated. It's that you're believing truth, which takes faith. Right? And so the person who we see it, like I'm righteous, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, all my failings this week, all my failings this month, 
all the things I haven't been doing. Like Jesus looks at me and says, I'm righteous. It doesn't add. Like instead of getting caught up with what you're doing, you get caught up in the Lord of glory. Instead of getting caught up with your, your works of righteousness, you get caught up in the one who is beautiful and pure and righteous. And suddenly you're like, Lord, I don't want anything else but you. And you've hit the true heart of repentance. For the Christian, repentance comes with hope. And repentance doesn't come with just hope, it comes with power. Because the grace of Christ is the greatest power you have to resist sin. It is not your willpower that breaks the power of sin in your life, it is the grace of Jesus that does so. And you know this. Faith in Jesus is not just sufficient for salvation and life and power, but it's abundantly sufficient for life and salvation and power and truth. It's the only way to salvation. Jesus says this in John 14. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not your works of righteousness. It's just through him. We cannot add anything to this, not our works, not our righteousness. It's faith in Christ alone that makes us righteous, that gives us life. So now we have to ask a question. This leads to two very clear questions. One, does righteousness have any role now? Should I just sin a bunch that grace may abound? (laughs) Should I just live my life? You know, I got the grace of Jesus. I'm saved by faith. It has nothing to do with what I do. You know what? That's true. That's true. It has nothing to do with what you do. Your salvation. Like, people are like, that's heresy. Kill him. That's why Jesus got killed. If you didn't know, your righteousness has nothing to do with your righteousness. It has nothing to do with your works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. By works of the law, no one will be made righteous. By works of the law, no one will be saved. And yet, when you really get it, again, the grace of Jesus is the greatest power against sin and the greatest power for righteousness. Let's see what Paul says here. Here's how he ends the passage. He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinner, sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Let's just look at this passage. What he's saying here is he's saying, hey, now that we're in Christ, Now that we're in Christ, we realize, oh, we're not perfect. We still have sin. Have we screwed this thing up even worse? Have we made Christ now a servant of sin? So Paul's acknowledging something very real. He's saying, you're saved by faith, but it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. First John says that that even in Christ, we'll still have sin. Paul's saying, Paul's answering this question. He's saying, if we walk in justification by faith, and yet we still find some sin in our lives, does that make Christ a servant of sin? He says, certainly not. It's good news. Certainly not. Very sure statement by Paul. He's saying our sin does not nullify the grace of God. And then he goes on, he says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the law. He's saying if you go back to it being about your works of the law, if you try to rebuild this thing that Christ tore down, you miss it, and, and, and you, just, you just find out you're, you're, that it doesn't help. The law cannot give life. No one will be justified. No one will be made righteous. No one will receive life by works of the law. What does he say? He says, for through the law, I died to the law, so that what? I might live to God. This is so important. This is where we find it. Right? That Christianity is not a set of things you do. It's a life you live in God. It's a new life. 
a new identity. He says, I, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And he gives clarity here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I do not nullify the, the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. He's saying we cannot go back to the law. We've been crucified with Christ. We have died to the law. We have died to righteousness. You have died to righteousness by your righteousness. You've died to that if you're in Christ. That is no longer the path to righteousness. path to righteousness is Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. All right? So <clears throat> what, what, what's he trying to say here? Well, excuse me, in grace we may still have some sin in this life, but we've, we, we've died. That's not who we are. It's no longer our identity. Our old life of sin, our old life of selfishness, our old life of death, of evil, of deception, of emptiness, these are all dead. That's not who you are anymore. So if there's sin in your life, you're living, you're, you, you, can't, you can't rebuild what's been torn down. You can't live in the old way. You can't live in who you are. That's just, it's just not who you are. It's not who you are. What's the solution? Well, the solution is living in Christ, being near to him, him being the treasure, seeking after him, right? It's not to gain his approval. It's to receive his life. It's to walk in this life. He's one for you. We've been crucified. Our old life of sin, of selfishness, of death, of evil, deception, emptiness, this has died. Our old life has died. Sin and death are no longer who you are. If you were in Christ, that's not who you are. When you sin, you're not walking in the identity that you have now. You're walking in an identity that has died and been buried. Sin has literally no claim on you in Christ. Romans 6, 11 says it like this. It says, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You've got to consider yourself dead to sin. Even sin this week as you're dead to it. Why? Because Jesus died. He paid the price. It's always and forever dead. Not just when you're doing good, not just when you're feeling close to God. Your sin is always forever dead. You have been crucified with Christ. Your old life, your old sin. Hebrews 10 14 says, We have been perfected. For by a single offering, we have been perfected for all time. Hebrews 10 14 says, all right, your past sin, your future sin, it's all dead in Christ. The Christian does not live preoccupied with self-effort. You don't, if you're, you, don't, you don't live your life preoccupied with self-effort or self-righteousness. You don't live your, your, your life preoccupied with, with, with sustaining yourself. We live our lives alive to God in Christ. That's what Paul's telling us here in Galatians. It's no longer I who live. I'm not living to an old identity. It's Christ who lives in me. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that's in our bodies, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I, we have a new identity. It's alive in Christ and Christ in me. That's your new identity. Here's the thing. Like, most, like if you are in Christ, 
Your righteousness is, is in him. It's fully in him. It doesn't have to do with your works. And I meet so many Christians. Probably the number one thing, one of the number one things I run into with Christians is that they're just living stagnant lives where we just live pursuing. We, we're alive in this world. We're alive in our hobbies. We're alive in the stuff of this world. It's what gives us joy. We're not alive in Christ. We may even have a new identity in Christ, but we're not living in it. And if that's the case, Christianity in your life will have no power. Your heart will have very little desire for Jesus. It'll be, a, it'll be a slog to get yourself to church if that's the place. And, and if you're living that way, you can be in Christ and live that life. I mean, I would, it, it's, but it's not a good life to live. I mean, you're missing out. You're missing out on the life God has for you. And there's also a chance that if that's where you're at, that you really don't, you're really not in Christ, that he really hasn't made you come alive. Right? How do you know? Well, if you believe, if you really believe, he will really give you life. If you're here and you're like, Lord, help me, the heart that, that is in Christ at least can pray, Jesus, I want you. I want to be alive in you, and I want you to live in me, and I want to live my life by faith in you. And the reality is, is, is that when we, we find this life, it changes everything. It changes everything about who we are. It changes everything about how we live. We have a new identity, alive in Christ and Christ in me. A life lived by faith that we are brand new always. Not dependent on our effort, but securely righteous. Completely justified by faith in Christ. Not unshakable. You are, if you are in Christ, you not, you're not shakable. You may feel shakable, but that's just when you're not reckoning the truth of the Bible, right? Like, like, like if you feel shakable, right, you, there's, more, there's more here that I, I want you to see. You're not dependent on your effort or circumstances. You are securely righteous, completely justified by faith in Christ. Now you realize this takes faith to believe. It takes faith to walk in. That's why he says the life I live, I live by faith in the Son. <coughs> the band can come up here. <coughs> We're taking a deep dive looking at something this morning that, that I think, um, I mean, it's e like, I would say our de the default of human nature is to fall back into the pattern of thinking my righteousness is dependent on my righteousness, right? Human nature, that sounds really log logistical. It really makes sense. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, I've never heard someone say that. That sounds wrong. Um, well, I mean, I can't change. I mean, we, you just got to look at Galatians. He's literally saying no one will be justified by works of the law. No one will be justified by works of the law. No one will be made righteous, counted righteous by their righteousness. That's what he's saying. Saying our righteousness is not dependent on our righteousness. Our righteousness, our justification, our salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. And I just think some people don't realize, they don't really believe how powerful the love of God is. How powerful the grace of God is. Some of you in here, you're, you're in here this morning and you're stuck in bondage. You're stuck in addiction. You're stuck in something. Maybe you have a false identity of sin or a false identity of hope. Like you're hoping in this world, and this world's a pretty hopeless place. Without Jesus, there's no hope here. Some of you are here, you're, you're stuck in sin that you feel guilty about. You're like, man, I'm stuck in this pattern, I can't break free. You tell me I'm righteous in Christ, but I feel very unrighteous today. And you're stuck in a pattern of sin. Maybe you're marred by sin in your past and you struggle to believe that you've been forgiven. Maybe you're living as though you're dead. Your old identity still has claim on you. 
I believe Jesus wants to set you free today that that as we worship this morning, that you can come forward and and you can say, Lord, set me free. We're going to have prayer teams up here. and And I just, I encourage you, don't miss out. It can be so helpful to come forward and say, this is where I'm at. I feel stuck in my sin. I feel marred by the past. I feel like I got stuff in my past that I just can't believe that God's really forgiven me. And maybe you're here for the first time and you're, you're hearing the gospel and you're like, I want to be in Christ, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how. I just say, and come forward. And if, you, if you're here and, and you aren't a Christian, you can come forward today and receive this life from Jesus. I just in, invite you and encourage you. I'm going to pray for us here, but as we worship, I just want to invite you to respond. Heavenly Father, we do just, this morning, we lay our hearts bare before you. This is ultimately, insanely, incredibly, incomprehensibly good news. Our righteousness does not depend on our righteousness. What a scandalous thing to say. And yet, Jesus, you wrote it in your word. No one will be counted righteous by works of the law. Our righteousness comes by faith in Jesus alone. Lord, every morning we wake up, that is a treasure that we need to drink from. That's a, that's a well of living water that we need to receive. Father, I, just, I pray that you would just write that on our hearts that we would recognize we are justified by faith in Christ. What can man do to us? We can't even screw that up. Lord, you've made a way. In Romans 8, you say death and life and angels and demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ. Lord, you have won us a secure victory. Help us this morning to see that your love is the most powerful uh, force in our world. Your forgiveness, your mercy, with the death you, you bore on the cross, the resurrection you, you had when you rose from the dead, Jesus. These things are the most powerful things that have happened in human history. They're sufficient, all sufficient for our salvation. The only way to salvation is through faith in you. So Jesus, I just pray this morning that we would receive that anew. I pray right now, Lord, that bondage would break, sin would break, that God, you'd break chains in this room. People stuck in a pattern of habitual sin, stuck in a pattern of uh, of feeling unworthy and unforgiven. Father, I just pray right now your grace would come, that you'd give us divine understanding, write it on our hearts, that we would know the grace of Jesus. And give us faith this morning, a deeper faith, to see and believe your wonderful grace, Jesus. Father, come and bless us. Stir hearts as they come forward today to respond in prayer as we worship. Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.